Calling something a moral panic does not imply that this something does not exist or happened at all, and that reaction is based on fantasy, hysteria, delusion, and illusion, or being duped by the powerful to embrace the void. you to exist anywhere. I want everyone corrupt. Leaves from the vine falling so slow. Sometimes, Master, it is difficult for meatbags to step back and gain some perspective on death and its importance in their insignificant lives. I don't know if I'm up for this. I'm so emotional. I can barely think straight. Great. Use that. Embrace the void. Warning. This podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people. Welcome, friends, to episode 198 of Embrace the Void, where the debate will continue until morale improves. I am your host, Aaron, and this week we've got part two of my chat with Kathy Young. A few quick notes before we get started. In part one, Kathy cited a story about a bar in France refusing service to women. Several listeners wrote in that further reporting has raised serious doubts about the veracity of that story. Uh, I've provided a link in the show notes on that. I also wanted to address comments about the higher frequency of interruptions in this interview. I always try to give my guests the vast majority of the time to speak, but it's also my job to keep the conversation on track. Kathy has expressed in other interviews that she worried she rambles sometimes. So we agreed at the prior to the interview that I would take a bit more aggressive role if need be. And I do think it makes for a more engaging conversation. Finally, uh, Kathy provided me with several stories about wokeness run amok that we really just didn't get to because of time, but I wanted to include them in the show notes for folks who would like to explore those examples more. Okay, I think that's all the things. Let's make with the stirring conclusion. Life ends in death, which we as a species are cursed with knowing, resulting in something. My guest continues to be Kathy Young, author of Many Things in Many, Many Places. Kathy, thank you for continuing to hang out in the void. Absolutely. Um, so, and can I uh, yeah. can I sort of continue on some of the, uh, I mean, well, why don't you go ahead and uh, sort of make some. Well, yeah, like I, I, I feel like it's hard. I, yeah. I don't want to spend all of our time sort of nitpicking over Twitter fights, and like yeah, well, I actually, I'm sympathetic <laughs> to like thinking that Jesse Singal has not been like I, I would have preferred that he was treated differently, right? Like I understand people's frustrations, but I was one of the people who was critical of the way that he was being treated online and did get well, I'd love to hear that. And I mean, I certainly commend you for that. But let me, but, I want to shift gears here a little bit to try to sort of get back to our central line of, I want to try to convey to you, right, person to person. Sure, but I mean, can I just, uh, yeah. can I just sort of make one real quick point sure, about, because we sure. were specifically talking about online harassment. And let me tell you what my frustration is. You know, my frustration is that as far as I can see, you know, online harassment is like sort of almost a central MO for the quote unquote social justice movement uh, with the sort of the call out culture. Would you also agree that it's the central MO for the anti-woke and MAGA and like pretty much every group on the internet at this point? At this point, yeah. But I mean, okay. I think if you so look it's not, at it's the not unique to like the woke the or something. Big, like the first big sort of moment for, you know, for online harassment, as far as I'm concerned, was the Justine Sacco uh, mobbing, which, uh, you know, which uh, certainly got, you know, a fair amount of play. Uh, and in case people don't know, it's this bizarre story where this woman who is, you know, who is a PR executive who's flying to Africa, and she tweets this joke 
which, you know, very obviously is intended to make fun of, you know, quote-unquote white privilege, where she says, you know, um, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Uh, oops, just kidding, I'm white. And she's obviously, like, making a joke, of, uh, you know, about this sort of clueless white person who thinks that because they're white, you know, they're exempt from, you know, the vicissitudes of life that, you know, only happen to Africans and so on. Yeah. And, you know, someone, um, I think it was Sam Biddle from, you know, the now defunct Walker, sees this and decides that it's a serious, you know, statement of racism. And and, uh, you know, retweets this with a, you know, with a comment like, you know, this is uh, completely disgusting and this is a person who works for, you know, this and that, you know, PR agency. And then there's just this tsunami of condemnations and it's all exacerbated by the fact that, you know, Justine Sacco at that point is in flight and this was 2013. So there was really no right. like, reliable like Wi-Fi. So everyone's taking a kind of sadistic pleasure in, you know, knowing that this woman is, you know, unknowingly like 20,000 feet in the air while everyone on Twitter is like bashing the shit out of her. And, you know, she doesn't even know what's about to hit her. And, you know, what actually hits her when she died. And there was this hashtag saying, has just seen Sacco landed yet? And, you know, she arrives in South Africa and suddenly she finds that, you know, the hotel that she was booked at doesn't want her because she's now suddenly infamous. And like her relative in South Africa don't want to see her because, you know, she's been branded a racist and, you know, she promptly loses her job and so on and so forth. And, you know, and it's this just completely bizarre, you know, sequence of events. But I, I feel like we've convinced human beings that everybody is, has a likelihood of being that person at any given moment, which is just not the case. This is where I think this becomes a moral panic is the jump from that one story to there is this well, rampant no, cancel culture. Everyone, everyone that, is in danger. Like that's the response I get from people these days who like follow your material and people's material is that like every individual is at pan like paralyzing fear of being canceled because they've been told that like they could be the next person who does that stupid well, thing and gets all, absolutely has their lives ruined. But like that's not yeah, like that, that's like saying you have a risk of being struck Twitter. by lightning. Sure, it's technically true, but let's not have a moral panic. Well, I mean, about I lightning. think to the extreme that it happened to Justine Sacco, sure. But you know, but let me just continue to, you know, where I think the problem is. So, you know, this culture of, you know, this call out culture sort of takes shape. And this is in like this is in two thousand thirteen. And then, like, at the end of that year and in 2014, there is suddenly a rash of articles. Uh, the first one was, I think, by Amanda Hess in Pacific Standard. There was one in The Atlantic and so on and so forth. Uh, there's this rash of articles about how cyberspace is a hostile environment for women. And, you know, women are not welcome on the internet. You know, and if you want to talk about, uh, because look, I mean, I, I, I'm I sorry, say I, that I need I'm you to get you to a point here at some but, point. But I mean, like... I'm just wondering why you're not criticizing those things. Well, that's the because, thing is you know, I do. And here's my point. What I think is going on here is a bunch of human beings who have a bunch of cultural norms about how to criticize people in order to constrain their behavior in society mm -hmm. have been thrust into a new environment where they are overwhelmed by the amount of criticism that they are receiving. And that is a very big problem and it's causing a lot of harm, but it's not the woke who invented it, first of all, right? It's not the woke who are the only ones doing it. But when I listen to you and a variety of other individuals, it's as if it's a unique problem for this woke religion I that is indoctrinating I, people. And there's no evidence that, that I, is I'm true. pretty sure that I have criticized harassment on, uh, you know, by the non-woke. I mean, but my I've point, certainly like, my point is, how much time do you spend right? on it versus how much time do you spend on the woke? I think you spend a disproportionate amount of time on woke harassment. Uh, well, I, that's I my will perspective. Tell you, I mean, maybe, maybe the reason for that is And that's that what a moral is panic that... is, is disproportionate time spent on a minor problem, right? Like, Okay, but uh, so, like, here, here's my, my issue, and I think this is where, you know, we may be sort of you know, at a disconnect here, because the way that I see it, like the, the coverage of this problem 
in uh you know and i hate the word the mainstream media because then don't use it why would you use it it's a terrible term does it include does the mainstream media include fox news well no i mean i do how how is it possible that the mainstream media doesn't include fox news so by mainstream media do you just mean the left-wing media do you just mean things that you see as the left is that all you mean by well, mainstream media? Certain, I mean, look, there's an ecosystem of what is considered uh, the respectable press. You know, okay. and Fox News doesn't include that. But I it's think. not that it's not mainstream. It's that it's not no, recognized it's not as good but, by I mean, a lot is... of people because it's terrible, which is different from sure. it not being mainstream. But, it's I mean, the dominant media for a large group of people. Been... Okay, let's 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 ditch the term mainstream media and okay. say the respectable press. Okay. Um, uh, so, you know, the, uh, so my problem is that, you know, you're, you're saying that I'm focusing too much on harassment by, by the woke. Uh, my problem is that like the, the, the coverage of the problem of online harassment in like the, the respectable press, like the Atlantic Pacific standard, the New York times, et cetera, et cetera, is like, you know, practically a hundred percent focused on harassment of, uh, uh, you know, sort of good victims, quote unquote, i.e., you know, feminists, uh, you know, racial justice activists, or you know, women and minorities in general, or you know, uh, things like that. Uh, you don't feel like there's endless stories by... about why white people who feel like they're being harassed and aggrieved in the mainstream media? Because I feel like I see it constantly. Every, uh, a, do you mean a, on the internet? No, I mean, I, what, I, what I mean is that the media chases grievances, and they chase all the grievances. Well, I mean, I think they began to chase sort of the, the aggrieved white people in the wake of Trump's election. You know, that was something that definitely And also happened. at every other and point in the time that I've been alive, like, white, white, but, white but fear I mean, look, has always look, been a pervasive I mean, driving at, force of our politics. Paradigm, yeah, you look at the paradigm of online harassment. Uh in the sort of respectable media ecosystem and, you know, organizations that ostensibly shouldn't have an ideological slant like Amnesty International. Amnesty International published, you know, a uh, report on the harassment of female journalists. Why female journalists specifically? You know, why Why are we even making Wait, it? This is your problem that they're focusing on women? Because there are lots of good reasons that you would focus on specifically marginalized groups to talk about what specific issues those marginalized groups are facing. Yeah, okay, but... I that doesn't Why seem like that? an argument at all, because because they're, they probably because the female journalists disproportionately face a lot of problems would be why they would. Focus they don't. On that. I mean, the, if, if you look at the studies, though, they actually don't. Well, then it would be good to find that out, too. Right. You'd also want to know if that is the, if and that I is the case. That. And but that's my I mean, point. The, right. Well, it's not bad to focus on ridiculous. female journalists. Full stop. There's nothing okay, bad so about Amnesty's, Amnesty's method was to do a survey of only female journalists and then come to the conclusion that, you know, female journalists journalists are being harassed. I mean, yeah, I could, uh, you know, I could do like a one person poll of Jesse Singel. But like you get like basic sociology is studying. Is the only person being harassed you're you're just now like objecting to like sociological studies that focus in on specific groups, but that's like all of no, sociological no, no, but studies. No, but it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's not a sociological study. I mean, a sociological you know what I mean, study though, right? that like groups. No, some focus in on specific specific groups and and like try to figure out what's going on in those. So, for example, right, there was a a very big survey of the atheist community recently done by American atheists, right, where it talked about the way that American atheists have been marginalized, and it talked about the way that specific subgroups within them have been marginalized. But it was all about atheists, and it was a massive survey of atheists. It's not a bad survey because it didn't also talk about Christians or something. Like the whole point was to but focus on atheists. That's a different thing because you How? are looking at a specific group and you're not necessarily saying that this group is the most marginalized and the only one that deserves attention did amnesty international and, and it's things? done by an atheist group i mean i could understand like if a women's group came out with a survey that specifically looks at the harassment this just seems of like women. a non-complaint i feel like 
Like you're just saying that. I mean, so like, you don't think that this creates a skewed picture? Like if you if the if you're doing no, a I survey, think it's a correction for fifty or sixty years of social science only focusing on men to also ask some women. Some there questions. is no no oh, come on. There is no fifty or sixty years of social science focusing. Oh, on I think men. people should absolutely read the Invisible Women if they were curious about the background on. So like, like Gerda Lerner doesn't exist. You know, I mean that's ridiculous. Kathy, do you that really want to claim that there hasn't been a disproportionate focus on men over women in? in medicine, in sociology, in a variety of scientific fields in the terms of study? Uh, I, I absolutely would argue that. I mean, I actually oh, okay. have written about the... I about, think, that, I think uh, it's just like so much evidence to the contrary that like I don't think we need to have it out. I think that's been uh, that's been amply covered. So we can just agree to disagree, I guess, on that. Um, right, but, like, but okay. I mean, there's... Sorry, I, I, the, I way back, way back mean, look, of years ago. Was there, was there a lack of focus on women in like 1955 sure if we're talking about like post 1970 i think it would be kind of it's ridiculous i think i I think people should research this because i think there's some very interesting information about it but i want to i want to get to another topic where i feel like it'll get us away from twitter and into sort of concrete issues about what i what i see can i just kind of real quick like finish can you can you can you real quick I mean, look, yeah, like quick, I, yeah, I, I, I yeah. want, I want to hear no, what you're saying, but I feel point, like your monologue sometimes. I really sometimes. do have a point okay. there. I okay. really do have a point there, which is that I think this uh, this narrative of online harassment that is directed only by you know these kind of traditional oppressors, like the the the, the white male trolls uh, who you know hate women, etc., or you know hate transgender people, people like Glinner, for um, example. Like who? Glinner, Lin- whatever his name oh, is, you know, uh, Graham Linner, the one who got kicked off Twitter for harassing women so much. Yeah, but I think you, you, you know that he was a he was also a huge anti gamergate figure. By the way, I, I hope you know that because he was. Sort Do of you think it's good that he got women. kicked off Twitter for harassing women so much? Uh, see, I don't know the specifics of. Uh, I, I mean, I assume you're talking about his post about about transgender women, right? I just know he was removed for persistently harassing transgender women and posting things about them. Uh, okay, well, I don't. I honestly don't want to get into that because I don't know what specifically he did. I haven't mm-hmm. looked in, into. I mean, I. Yeah, it's it, okay. Well, let, let's let's really talk about trans issues not. because I really do want to talk yeah, about trans so, issues. So my so my my problem is that the harassment issue. There was a huge moral panic that was formed around, you know, sort of right wing and male harassment of women. And, uh, you know, then when people start kind of pushing back against that, uh, then suddenly we get claims of moral panic on the other side. But I mean, there's, uh, I think there is an incredible double standard there. If you look at the way that, for instance, uh, you know, harassment by Gamergate compared to harassment by uh, the sort of social justice call-out culture has been approached in the respectable media, since we're not using the term mainstream media. <laughs> okay, so I think we can agree to disagree that's on in terms of that. So, so that's, you know, that's let's... the point that I was driving at all along. <laughs> okay, fair and enough. So you, you think that there's an inconsistency there. in the other direction. I think there's an asymmetry in the other direction. Yeah. That's that's certainly not surprising. Um, so let's talk about trans issues then and get us away from Twitter spats, right? Okay. I have listened to you talk, talk about... Let's talk about something nice and uncontroversial, Something right? uncontroversial. Well, I mean, look... <laughs> I'm curious, do you think that there was a moral panic about the gay agenda? And how do you see the trans, the sort of anti-trans agenda as being different than a moral panic about effectively the trans agenda? Because they seem to me to be in almost every way I can find identical and that you could find almost identical statements from the gay agenda being essentially repurposed in the trans, uh, you know, the, the opposition to trans people. So how do you see these things? Or, or do you... Do you think that neither of them were moral panics? Well, I I think that uh, you know, in terms of uh, I mean, if you want to look at uh, going back to like Anita Bryant and so on, I, I'm talking I as recently as mean... 2004 when folks like Karl Rove used the gay rights bills, like used the uh, anti-gay marriage bills, to win the 2004 election. Right, but you know the the thing that 
is really interesting uh, is that if you look at, um, and it's interesting that someone, someone recently made this point, and it's something that I've thought about as well, that one reason that the, uh, you know, after all of this moral panic, the gay rights, or the gay marriage movement uh, was eventually able to sort of you know, when uh, surprisingly quickly, uh, if you look at just the speed of the shift in opinions, uh, is that there really wasn't, like, no one could really point to any uh, anything that, you know, like the straight community would have to sort of give up or anything, any area where straight people would be like even seriously inconvenienced by gay rights. I mean, except for the uh, ones who believe that it's collapsing Western civilization and undermining all of our yeah, morality. Yeah, the thing is that those were always incredibly like abstract arguments, but very uh, prevalent they, and very popular. They were, yeah. But I mean, if you look at the arguments that were made about like why a same-sex marriage is going to destroy marriage, like either that were being made in the like the early two thousands. But it's not just it gay marriage, right? Sort of, like there were so many attacks on gay people for my entire lifetime, attacks on them being, pedo- you know, dangerous. Attacks on them being right. There was yeah, not there being was allowed into sports. There was lots of pedophiles. Yeah. So, no, there was so what that. is an argument? What is an argument time... by trans critics that hasn't been made by members of the gay agenda? Can you give me a specific example of an argument? Oh, sure. I mean, can you think of an equivalent um, related to gays? Uh, with regard to the question about, uh, uh, you know, women's and girls' sports, which Absolutely. I think is one of the... Yeah? What is it? Well, so it's the lesbian comparison, right? There are... When lesbians have competed in women's sports, there have similarly been claims that they are effectively mannish. Uh, so I'll give an, a very concrete example, right? This is from... Okay. Uh, Emile, this is um, Emile Marsim, uh, I'm sorry, I have terrible at French names, Amelie uh, Marsimo's Muscles. So she's a famous uh, tennis player. It's a book called that, The Lesbian Heroic Women's Professional Tennis. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a paper, not a book, right? So this is the first paragraph. Uh, on January 26, 1999, unheralded 19-year-old French tennis player, Amelie upset the world's number one player, Lindsay Davenport, in the semifinals of the Australian Open Championship. After the match, Davenport told assembled reporters that Marsermo's power and physique were overwhelming, that playing her was like playing a guy. Davenport's remarks might have passed with little notice, except that after the match, Marsermo's Uh, leapt into the arms of her girlfriend and was cradled with hugs. Then Martina Higgis, the world's number two player and Marcimo's opponent in the opening final, told Swiss journalists in a joking German tone, here, uh, Massimo's here with her girlfriend. She's half a man. You can also look at a comparison between the way that folks like Serena Williams have been treated as mannish, that they are making women's sports mannish with their grunts and their behavior and see that like there is the same yeah, criticizing I mean, I of these people in sports. Well, first of all, that has nothing to do with gays. You know, Serena Williams is... Uh, no, I'm saying that there's, a, there's an issue with gay, with, with lesbians and also an issue with black athletes that is separate. Female black athletes face a comparable yeah, problem I mean, I, to I lesbians in this, in, in this arena. But, but I, I, I don't think it's comparable at all. I mean, I think you're you're basically you're you're taking like a couple of people making uh, you know making very isolated remarks which uh, you know as far as i recall you know were universally condemned except maybe on the right uh I don't i'm gonna think, guess people can I mean, probably what, find some did anyone ever like i mean did did anyone ever seriously propose that you know lesbians should be barred from tennis oh here, here here's another one for you right so here's a case this is jennifer harris's case at penn state where her coach uh was accused of forcing jennifer harris to transfer because she was a lesbian the coach was cited as saying i will not have it in my program there are also claims of portland telling key recruiters to discourage them from attending other schools that those other teams were full of lesbians yeah, but I mean, that's hardly the same issue. I mean, we're talking about it, it, we're talking about a few individual cases of like people making bigoted remarks. Uh, and there was I think, widespread you know, bigotry against lesbians in sports like this is not 
I don't think this is a controversial Did anyone claim. ever suggest that lesbians should not compete in sports? Yes. In women. Who? I mean, there was the whole, was like... There a- there was the whole like Billy D. Williams, I think, right, was like trying to prove that it was okay for lesbians to play in sports. Like, I'm sure there are lots and lots of people who were like, this is not good. They're manishing up the sport in this kind of way. Or, right, adding to that, of course, the kind of locker room concerns that the fear that lesbians will uh, sexually assault other women in the sports locker rooms. Like, there were a variety of moral panics about, I mean, because sports is very heteronormative. American sports is incredibly heteronormative. And so there was a, a wealth of concern about both gays and lesbians being in sports so i mean i don't see the difference like you could argue that maybe they didn't think of it as much that like lesbians have some advantage but it really does feel in some of the situations like with black athletes that the implication is their lesbian nature is tied to them being mannish in their athletic abilities so there is some sort of in their minds a genetic component explaining those two features at the same time you don't think so? I I think that these are really really problems of uh of an entirely different uh, nature. And I mean, you're 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 sort of you're also lumping together, uh, you know, lesbian athletes and black athletes. I think just, I do just remember to sort of broaden some of out the comparison. About, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do remember some of the concerns about locker rooms, uh, but these are not even the uh, the issues that are being brought up here. I mean, I think that, I mean, do you think that, like, seriously, do you think that Martina Navratilova, who is one of the people who's expressed concerns about, uh, you know, transgender, uh, transgender women in athletics, do you think that she's, like, channeling something that's akin to, uh, to a gay panic? Like, because she yeah. was one of the first you know tennis players to be so, so you, you you really seriously think that there is absolutely no reason to think that people who have gone through male puberty uh have uh you know have an innate advantage over uh over I I think the scientific evidence on this is very inconclusive, and I think there's a complicated conversation to be had about the role of trans individuals in sport. But that's that's my point. There's a difference between a complicated conversation. Right, right. But, but the I way mean, that there is no characterize complicated it is that, conversation like, to have about lesbian athletes, right? I mean, there's no, no, sir, like, in no your mind in because right you're not mind. a member of that moral panic anymore, right? But back then, there was absolutely people. Okay, who but, were like, but you're saying, but you're telling me now, like, yeah. and you're you believe that you're yeah, like you're criticizing the moral panic, but you're acknowledging that it's a complicated issue, right? And and that there's a complicated Most moral panics often center around a complicated issue, like the education of children. That's not the problem. The problem is treating the right, issue but I mean, like... There well, was on. no complicated there was no complicated issue surrounding lesbian athletes. There were many. And, there, were, I mean, there are still people who think that it's a bad thing. So like there clearly are like, like who? What, what who you're thinks just, what, that it's a bad thing? What you're just saying is you disagree with the people about lesbians, but agree with the people about trans concerns. That's that's not the same as saying that there's a fundamental difference between these two things and the way that they're being addressed. I do think that there is there, that research. No, I think done. there's a fundamental difference in that. In one case, there well, no. really is. I mean, you're you. But I you're, think that I you vastly you exaggerate that. the amount of cases that actually fit what you're describing. That's part of the problem. And I see. Uh, let, let, okay, here. well, part of the reason because because you know there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of sleight of hand on on this issue. Like I mean, I've seen people say, oh, like people talk about you know Laurel Hubbard, who is the you know the the trans uh, weightlifter, but but she hasn't even competed in, competed in the Olympics once. Well, the reason for that is that until now, I mean, it's only now that they've changed the rules so that she actually will be able to compete. So it's kind of ridiculous to say, you know, she hasn't competed in the Olympics when, you know, she was barred from doing but so. you're talking about by rules one, one person. This is why it's a moral there. panic, right? Because you're talking about one athlete who may go to the Olympics and who I believe is still going to be acting under the rules in terms of like testosterone level testing and such like that for those individuals who are acting under those testosterone level tests there is not conclusive evidence that they have some sort of you know like substantial advantage so there's no reason at present to be concerned about that particular scenario the ones that y'all raise concerns about and i've noticed this in other situations besides sports is that y'all your sleight of hand right is 
this is going to be a bigger problem because they're going to slide in this kind of self ID where someone can literally show up the day of a competition and claim to be a woman and get to compete against women. And that's the way it's going to work. And that's how this is going to explode from this one person who has transitioned and is competing to, you know, being overrun by men who just show up and claim to be women. That's well, that's I don't problem. think I've ever claimed that. I mean, I think it's I think it's unlikely that there is going to be like a mass influx of, uh, you know, men who suddenly you know declare so, a female. Okay, so if you're not afraid of that, and you're not, af and there isn't conclusive data that there's a problem yet, why are we? Why why this level of fear and concern about the situation? That seems wildly disproportionate to me. Well, it seems, to, I mean, I think that the, uh, I think self-ID by itself is a thing that uh, should generate concern. So you're, you're think, changing I mean, what you just said then. You're saying you actually are really concerned that self-ID is going to allow for a bunch of people to slip through. No, 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 not necessarily oh, so what's, in sports. What's, what's the concern then? Where, where is this an issue? Not necessarily in sports. I think in general, like, okay, so, so show me because, some other situations in which this is a problem. Then. All right. Well, getting back to what you said before about, you know, what's the difference? Uh, do you think that, do you see any equivalent in terms of, um, you know, the gay rights movement to uh, the question of, uh, you know, should a, uh, a person who has just started identifying as female, who is, you know, anatomically male, has not had any sort of gender reassignment treatments, uh, should that person be housed in a women's prison with female inmates? What is the, what is the gay equivalent for that? I well, the gay equivalent for that, of course, is just straight up, we shouldn't house lesbians with women because they will, ha they will be likely to assault women or they will assault the women because they're attracted to the women. And what I think you'll find well, is generally speaking, there are isolated cases of both, but not an overwhelming number. So if you are concerned about the isolated cases of, and I, I absolutely want to get into the details of this, but if you're concerned about the isolated cases of trans identifying women committing sexual assault, you seems like you have to be equally concerned about the situations where lesbian identifying women have committed sexual assault also in prisons, right? Uh, well, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, first of all, yeah, I, I do want to say one thing, which is that yeah, I actually dislike a lot of the rhetoric that comes out of the, you know, some of the radical feminists in the gender critical movement, because I think there really is a kind of vilification of, uh, you know, biological males uh, that I find really disturbing. So, you know, to that extent, I, I think that there is a um, uh, kind of really bigoted undercurrent there, although, you know, my view is that it's directed not so much at transgender people as it is at biological males and you know they, they they just regard transgender women as biological males and you know so they're sort of so you disagree with this, that in this overall sweep yeah and i mean i do think that there is for instance I, I think you have a point that some of the rhetoric about, let's say, women's prisons and women's shelters uh, does kind of leave out uh, the possibility of, you know, female on female violence, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, lesbians or straight women. Um, and, you know, con uh, sort of conversely, if we're going to talk about, you know, male sex offenders being a danger to female inmates, uh, I mean, you know, I think that there should also be more concern generally about safety in prisons. There have been horrible okay. cases. I agree of, with, I absolutely know, agree with concern about safety in prisons. Vulnerable. But do you see the shift? Uh, there? You, I mean, you see the problem here, though, right? Like you just shifted from there's a particular concern about trans women doing something in well hang prisons. on because I, I haven't gotten to my point yet i mean i <laughs> i i'm i'm sort of i'm conceding the point which is that i think there should be more concern about uh you know prison violence in general regardless of gender that said i mean i do think that there is a particular problem with uh you know uh with housing a um person who you know who again is is a sort of biological male with unaltered male anatomy 
uh, with women uh, because, you know, I, I, I think that there are specifics to that situation that don't necessarily exist um, so you're saying I mean, you know, you're saying you're, so wait, what, what what the conclusion of that argument would be is if someone wants to be housed proper like according to their lived gender in prison they would need to go through reassignment surgery is that what you're saying should be a requirement for someone to be housed in in the the prison in which they identify um well no, uh, again you know I, I i think that a lot depends on you know how they present you know how they uh uh i mean are we talking about someone who is you know who basically so, like is i mean this seems totally divorced from reality so here's my problem kathy is that i feel like this feels totally yeah. divorced from the actual reality of trans individuals in prisons that when you so when you have time to talk about trans issues and you go straight to biological men in women's prisons what i think you are doing is engaging in a moral panic focused on a problem that doesn't exist right so there was a recent well hold, I, hold, there hold, have hold been actual examples though. no but there that's the problem right there have been no here here look there is male a, sex offenders no wait 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 wait, wait, wait. Women committing sexual assault wait kathy hold on right there was an nbc yeah, news report okay. that just came out recently right that specifically quotes uh this individual from the california department of corrections and rehabilitation that says that while there have been isolated related cases it is not something that is prevalent again that is exactly the same claim you could make about see, again, lesbian on men just, i think that they have only just adopted the policy of uh of self-id okay so, so here's, here's my really... question kathy right this nbc study studied all there's 4890 trans prisoners in the u.s right now off the top of your head what would you guess is the number of those trans prisoners that are being housed according to their lived gender right now out of 4,890. No just take a guess. I'm just like, based on your fears about self-ID having been implemented in the way that you think it is or has been or well, is about to be. I'm not saying that it has been broadly implemented yet. I, I mean, there are plans to implement it. So you think it's about it. to be implemented in some way. I, I don't see any evidence. Here's, here's well, the, are there here's proposals the to implement it or not? Well, so and I mean, here's the problem, right? Here's the problem, Kathy. It's 15 is the number. 3% right? 3% of okay. trans prisoners, right? So my point is 99, 97% of trans prisoners are okay. not being housed according to their lived gender, right? And like there, there are specifically laws in place right now that say that where someone is supposed to be housed has to be according to something other that it can't just be according to their biological sex. It has to take into okay. account. So there, there are those laws in place. The thing is, all of these states basically said we don't enforce those laws so like your concern about a law coming to an existence that is going to cause a massive problem is not a concern because they're not even enforcing the laws that currently would protect transgender individuals who have a legitimate claim to be in these situations there's like there's no pathway for an individual to claim to be a trans woman and somehow sneak into a prison as a result because they're not even enforcing the law for people who have like very good reasons to claim this that's why okay, it's more and, and I uh, and I agree with you that there are probably there are certainly people who should be in a different prison, you know, based on, uh, based on you know their transitioned uh, gender. The, the the problem is, you know, I mean, right now California has proposed a uh, and across the board, but it's uh, not what you think it is. It's not a person can literally just claim this thing. It's still going to be a mix of they have to talk to a healthcare provider and such like that. But like, there's just like, if you're a person in prison, this idea that you're going to talk your way into being switched because you just have this different gender, like the situation for people who identify wait, wait, as women wait. in male who's prisons is horrible. Who's that about being talked into being switched? That's that's what you're suggesting is that like male prisoners are going to start saying, oh, I'm actually a woman now. Put me in a woman's prison. Right? Yeah, but you said people are going to be talked into being switched. I mean, are you what, suggesting What I mean is they're going to be talked into switched to a different prison, that... not to a different gender. Ah, oh, okay. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I was just momentarily because I thought you were sort of implying that I think people are going to be like Even if there are like even, like here's the thing. What's your so are you are you for or against bathroom bills that prevent trans individuals from going into bathrooms? Well, I think that, you know, certainly if, if we're talking about bills that uh, that require people to use, you know, bathrooms 
uh, corresponding whether NATO sucks, you know, regardless of uh, their transition. I'm certainly against that. Are you, um, so what are you for? I, like a genital test for someone to go into a bathroom? Like no, how would you... no, 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 no. Okay, well then, how would you enforce anything other than just letting people use the bathroom that they identify in? Well, okay, so it. I mean, I agree actually that it's a hugely complicated uh, thing sometimes. Okay. Well, then if it's, the I mean, problem... if it's a complicated thing there, isn't it also a complicated thing for the prison situation? It is. It is. Right. I'm. I'm not saying that it's simple. And, I'm and, just saying and, and that. And so, like, you know, given the situation, right? So, it, well, I agree. It's not but, simple. Okay, but so, okay. It, so there's a cost-benefit uh, analysis here, right? Where, okay, you know, there is, let's say, a point zero zero one percent higher risk for women, and you know, if people are allowed into trans in, into women's prisons, um, but. Right. On the flip side, you have all this massive amount of harm that's being caused to trans women who are stuck in male prisons. Right. Like just obscene amounts of sexual assault and abuse and various sorts of things. Right. Why shouldn't our calculus be, look, these people should be housed in women's prisons and we need to, you know, do better about preventing assault in general rather than focusing in on this particular tiny subset of the population and saying like there is this massive risk that they are suddenly going to take over women's spaces which is something i hear constantly from the anti-trans folks that like men are are foisting themselves into women's spaces in the most dangerous of ways no i don't think that's happening on a massive scale i mean i will tell you that i have you know uh, one incident for instance that i did see and i'm not saying that you know, this is a massive problem that exists across the board. But I mean, I think that this is a sort of a, you know, sign of, you know, a mindset that, you know, that could potentially be a problem. So a few years ago, and I will, by the way, admit, I will sort of admit that the person, the, the, I, I saw this on a blog that I think was sort of anti-trans and you know that that i think was um you know had some really uh kind of nasty content uh and had some pretty bigoted content but you know i did check out the links on the story and it does seem to check out so there was an actual incident uh in a women's shelter um i forget which state it was but it was you know i think in one of the northeastern states in which um there was a uh you know transgender woman who was a resident uh who was like who who was a who, who had not undergone like surgical transition and i don't know if uh, she'd undergone any kind of like medical intervention at all who was posting on instagram like selfies uh of walking around the shelter in underwear with a very visible erection and making comments about like haha i'm really freaking out some of the ladies here you know walking okay around so what do you feel like this story proves this is my this is my reoccurring uh, question for you what do you feel like this story well actually here's proves? hold on hold on here's no what I, I think i'm sorry is. i feel like you you filibuster through these stories a little bit too much and don't spend enough time explaining why it matters that well, there's this I'm, one I'm individual to the point who did this of one where thing. i think it's a problem okay the problem i think is that when people drew attention to this and contacted like the the administration of the shelter saying like here's a person behaving in clearly inappropriate ways and you know something should be done about this uh the shelter leadership basically like brushed off these concerns as transphobic okay and this is where i think the problem is but is the there a widespread is, is there a wide is there any evidence that widespread shelters are shoving away concerns like this because it's transphobic or is this one isolated incident of a shelter not responding properly well i don't know i okay. mean well, maybe that seems like, like an important thing to be able to answer be right answer because one of my problems <laughs> if, is if you're that claiming right that there is this only... problem though you should be the one presenting the evidence that there is a, a wave of these cases and not just this one isolated incident there have been other reports that i have seen of you know uh, of uh, problems in uh, in shelters uh, that involve uh you know transgender and again you know i certainly don't want to make this a comment about transgender women in general you know i but that's the way it gets picked up by the people who are listening to you is that there is this large-scale risk about transgender women that 
that trickles down to like fear that transgender women are going to try to trick you into sleeping with them or stuff. Like there's all these really dangerous. Well, concerns. you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's because they are really, you know, there are, I, I don't think, you know, transgender women tricking you into sleeping with them is, is a huge thing. Lots but I mean, I am concerned when we have, I am concerned when we have, you know, people who are a transgender activist basically saying that, you know, if you're a lesbian who doesn't want to sleep with someone who has a penis, like maybe you should that's re-examine one your person. I mean, that's, that's one activist. That's not a widespread No, 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 view. it's not one activist. It, it literally it's is probably one like one person who I've had on this show before and like maybe two other people. There is not a widespread view that like genital... Um, that, that a genital preference is transphobia. There just that isn't a, a widespread position. Yeah, but, but you see, there's a, but this is where the sleight of hand comes in because then you're gonna say you you have people saying, well, I'm not saying that general preference is transphobia, but if you're rejecting people solely on the basis of their genitals, like maybe you should do some thinking about the right, way they're that they're saying you're... there might be some complicated psych. But like this is the it's complicated response that you're happy to give when it's you talking about bathroom bills, but you're not happy to hear when it's someone talking talking about things like genital preferences, right? So I'm just saying, like, if you acknowledge that it's complicated in one situation, why are you sort of rejecting that it's complicated in another situation? Because I think, I do think that it's a sort of a roundabout way of saying you're being transphobic. I, I think mean, it's just it's, them saying it's complicated. I know the actual story you're referring to, I think, because I've had it sent to me. And like, it was two sex yeah. therapists talking about genital yes, right. preference, right? And if I you mean, actually they, uh, read sorry, the story, read, was, please read the story, because they absolutely the are not transphobic. I the story, there is nothing transphobic. no question that they were there suggesting is absolutely, that, that. There is absolutely nothing there that conveys what you are saying. It is quite I the mean, opposite. Y- yeah, yes, I, I fully... I mean, yes, look, I think, and, I think people again, can read like, the article. You're, you're, making parallels, you're making parallels to, like, uh, to, to, to gays. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, like, in all my years of, you know, following the gay rights movement, I don't recall a gay person ever saying that, like, if you're a straight person who, uh, you know, automatically rejects uh you know the idea of sleeping with someone of the same sex like maybe you should examine your preferences to see if you know if Wait. you're just you know being that way because of societally and you don't think that anyone in the gay rights movement suggested that people were conditioned by heteronormativity uh well i uh i don't think that anyone Pretty said central that, like, to the gay rights response. movement Absolutely. How many people said that, like, like, look at the Kinsey stuff. There's so many examples. Like, it just seems like a complete rewriting of the history to, like, ignore that people also said, hey, look, maybe you've been suppressed in your sexuality and maybe you should wonder if maybe you're interested in some more things than you think you are. I, I, I don't think that's the same thing as, you know, saying that. It's exactly like what they say in that article, as far as I read it. I think people can read it though and make their decision, but yeah, I think that's like I don't think so. I mean, they were reacting; okay. they were responding to a specific person, and you know, accusing him of being too hung up on genitals. You know, okay. I'll, I'll find it and link it in the show notes because I, yeah. that was used. I, I think so, yeah, but know. I think that's just like saying, "Hey, check your heteronormativity a little bit." Um, I don't think that's saying if you do this, you're necessarily a transphobe. Right. That is absolutely like they explicitly say in the article, that's not what they are saying. And like that it's complicated, which, again, it sexual preference is very complicated. I think we can all agree that like sexuality is not a simple matter. Right. Yeah. But OK, okay but let's OK, let's. Uh, so let's move on to another thing where I think there is uh, there is, you know, and, and I think okay, you we'll, suggested we'll do one more. And then I, yeah, then I've got to wrap us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm, sorry. I'm sorry. No, I said, yeah, we'll do one more and then I've got to wrap us, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, because I do want to make, and unfortunately, we're getting into a kind of complicated uh, issue here, which, you know, all of these issues are complicated. But like the issue of, um, and I think this is where, again, people see a, uh, a kind of parallel with the gay rights uh, issue with the um, sort of the, the, the idea of children being, quote unquote, seduced into, you know, either either homosexuality or, uh, you know, or, or into being transgender. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't think this should be in terms of the gay rights movement. I don't think this should be a moral panic, but I think it is sort of an acknowledgement. You know, it, it was and is a kind of well-known fact that there are some young people who, you know, once it became more socially acceptable to be gay, 
uh, and in some circles, even sort of progressive, uh, there was a certain percentage of young people who experimented with, um, you know, being gay uh, because it was cool, sort of the whole lesbian until graduation phenomenon. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think that if somebody, you know, if somebody's on campus and they're sort of exploring Mm -hmm. their, you know, sexuality and so on, and, you know, there are these... So you're saying that was the thing about gays that you don't hear now? Or I'm not not sure how you're making a distinction between the gay panic and the trans panic. No, my point is, so yeah, I mean, I think we all know that when we're talking about sexual identity... Uh, some of this is going to be like experimentation and some of this is going to be like people who may even experiment because they um, they're in a social milieu where it's fashionable. Mm -hmm. The problem is, you know, if you have somebody who, uh, you know, goes to college, gets into, you know, a circle of friends where it's considered really cool to be a lesbian and, you know, basically like um, maybe even identifies as a lesbian for a while. Uh, now, I just, the, yeah, I'm, the, I'm the lost. I'm lost me. on what your point here the is. Difference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My point is the difference to me between that kind of experimentation and experimentation with a transgender identity, which, you know, may also happen in similar circumstances is that, you know, to like put a, uh, very crudely, you know, if you're experimenting with being gay, you're not cutting off any body parts. And, but there's no know, experimenting not... with cutting off body parts, Kathy. That's not a thing that happens. People who get reassignment surgery go through a substantial process, and there's a very high rate of success, right? The like the number of people who regret or 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 detransition is extremely, 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 extremely low, right? So, and it's going low, it's going down. So, if your view is that things are getting worse and that more people are going under the knife when they shouldn't be, the evidence is quite to the contrary that it seems like more and more people are being properly treated and are happy with their treatment. So, uh, well, okay. Uh, I don't know where that evidence comes from, but I mean, does that, uh, does that also include like people, uh, getting hormone treatments that may have a reversible effect? Yes. Over overall gender confirmation and gender affirmation treatments are wildly effective as effective as we would want a medicine to be and getting more effective because the treatments are getting more refined and like the system that, that manages them is getting more effective over time as it becomes less stigmatized. So yeah, every line is trending in the right direction on this stuff but the way that y'all talk about it you make well, it sound okay, like haven't... children are being pressured into into no, no, no. i do know that well i know that uh, i i do know that if you you can't get gender reassignment surgery if you're below a certain age i i'm well aware of that uh i haven't seen uh you know i'll, I'll have to look at the studies that you cite that uh, you know that that uh, say that there's less uh, transition regret than there used to be, uh, but you know I I think if you're looking at um, you know a 14 year old uh, experimenting with a trans identity and being put on puberty blockers, which you know recently a study that was conducted by you know there was a review of the evidence by the National Health Service in England where they basically admitted that we don't know the effects of these uh, treatments yet. Like we have no idea what kind of long-term treatment, the long-term effects they may have. So they can so be studied I don't think that's comparable. It's not a problem. That's I, I don't a, think that's comparable to someone experimenting with, with, with being a lesbian at the age of 14. I mean, if you took seriously the views of actual anti-gay advocates, they will say that there are substantial psychological harms that come from the gay lifestyle that you wouldn't just be able to turn off when you walk away from the gay lifestyle. So, yeah, I do think there are. Here's another comparison, right? This is from Quillet. There was an article recently that was talking about people detransitioning and stuff like that. And it talked about how Magic the Gathering and anime and ideologically driven LGBTQ authority figures were pressuring or motivating students to be trans. How is that any different than like society is turning your children gay? Well, I, uh, you know what? I haven't seen those specific 
you know, I, I, I didn't read the, that specific article. Here, let me let me read a um, quote from I, it then. Here, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read a quote and you can respond to this quote. And this will be, and then we'll have to wrap up for sure. But like, respond to this quote for okay. me, okay? The transformative theme in Magic the Gathering extends to gender. The game features characters who are non-binary right. and transgender. In fact, the game developers have seemed keen to stress this progressive aspect as a way to make the game world more hospitable to non-gender conforming individuals. The fan culture sometimes features crossplay, a form of sex swap cosplay with gamers dressed up as their favorite cross-gender characters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For some, it may become a viable strategy for dealing with prepubescent feelings of awkwardness and placidness. They're basically just doing the same like, oh, you're turning towards gay because gay society is making you gay and you're going to regret it right. later. And all you're do adding on there is, well, there's going to be more permanent regret than there was before, but it's still just like fear-mongering about children being indoctrinated by culture. Well, I mean, I think there are some very salient real-life examples of, uh, you know, young detransitioners who feel that their life was uh, kind of, uh, you know, was uh, irreparably damaged by, by this. Uh, I mean, I will give you a, an example from, like, my personal experience, which, and, and I mean, again, you may tell me that I'm, you know, applying a different standard to gays and, uh, you know, to, to gay people and trans people. I was, uh, and I know we want to wrap up, so I'm going to make this as short as I can. Uh, so in the early 2000s, I was, uh, the, I was a moderator and administrator on a Xenoborium Princess fan board, which is a, you know, fandom that, as you probably know, had a lot of lesbians in it. Uh -huh. So Makes know, sense. Th th there was a large lesbian population on that board. And at one point, there was this fad where somebody started a, um, uh, a, a, a uh, you know, like forum couples thread. And it was all like exclusively like people who had actually met through the forum. And it was all lesbian couples. And suddenly it became this sort of fad. Like suddenly there were like young and these were all mostly teenagers and young women suddenly, you know, coming out as gay and like forming couples and in some cases actually like hooking up in real life and, you know, jumping into this. And it was, sort of, it was sort of, you know, it was a big joke, kind of. It was like this, uh, you know, this thing that, uh, that uh, you know, where, where it was pretty clear, like, some people were seriously, like, coming out as gay. And some people were just, you know, really fairly obviously kind of playing at this uh th there were some people who actually did like through this get into like same-sex relationships and then once they left the board they in several cases that i know of they sort of you know the, they uh, broke up and they kind of went back to being straight I, I knew of at least like personally two cases where people told me that they felt pressured by someone to like come out as gay and like form a couple so that they could join the couples thread. And I thought, you know, this is completely ridiculous, but it didn't really seriously bother me. Uh, if these were people being pressured to identify as trans, um, I would I would have a diff very different attitude. I will admit. Okay. I mean, right. I would definitely. Uh, I mean, if that's fair, I'm, I, 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 I will tell leave you it there. that if I knew, like, if I personally knew that somebody went on puberty blockers because they got into this like through the board, I would have probably just shoved the thread down. And okay. Just say that this is not something that I. I want to be uh, encouraging. Okay. I'm going mean, to leave there, it. Hold on, there... Kathy, 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 come on. It's, yeah. you, you've got to breathe at some point and I've got to cut us off here. So okay. I, I understand that you are, okay. the point that you are making there. Um, I need to I need to bring you through the enlightening round because I do this for all of our guests. Um, and okay. then I got to wrap us up, okay? So sure here's how this works, right? The enlightening round. Enlightenment comes from within. I'm going to give you a list of things. You're going to tell me, are these things real or not real? You do not get to explain what you mean. You don't get to hedge. Okay. Just real or not real, okay? Okay. First things first. Is anything real? Yes. Okay, good. So let's find out what's real. Is the external world real? Yes. Okay. Are colors real? I think it depends on what real means. No, 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 no. You're missing the point of the game. Real or not real? Uh, real. <laughs> okay. Phenomenal consciousness, real or not real? Uh, real. Okay. Free will, real or not real? Real. Okay. Selves or persons? Selves or selves? Selves, like yourself? Uh, real. Okay. Genders? 
uh, which genders? <laughs> genders. Um, a real, I okay. guess. Races. Um, I can't really answer that. On I mean, demographic groups, yes. I think. Okay. You know. Species. Species definitely real. Okay. Morality. Mm, real. Okay. Uh, rights. Are real. Knowledge. Are real. Gods. Mm, not real. Society. Are real. Money. Um, real but subjective. <laughs> Numbers. Are real. Fictional characters. Uh, not real. Holes. Uh, real. Chairs. Um, real. Sandwiches. Real. Science. Uh, real. Natural laws. Mmm, real. Beauty. Uh, real. Love. Uh, real. Causality. Uh, real. And time. Uh, real. All right, you survived. Congratulations. Gosh, I think everything is real, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I had to get that in for the notes, yeah. but um, we're we're over time, so I need to I need to let you go. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This was certainly okay. a, an sorry active. Sorry about discussion. being so. Uh, so sorry about kind of rambling there a bit. But... That's okay. I understand. Uh, I thought there was a lot of good points in there, so hopefully folks will enjoy it. And um, thanks very much. All right. Well, thank you. As a human, I was ill-equipped to thank you, but as myself, you have my everlasting gratitude. Thanks, as always, to our listeners and patrons who make the show possible. Thanks to our Archon-level patrons, Lawrence Shielding, Dude, Fix the Vote, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Chad T, and CampQuest.org, CampQuest.org, CampQuest.org. And all of the thanks to our Archduke-level patrons, Big Easy Blasphemy, Creepy Weird Little Void Eyes, and Dave Maslich. Uh, If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and a review on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at ETVPod, and if you notice a small void growing within you, consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. Just $4 a month gets you early access to episodes and our bonus ETV reading group content. Most of all, whether you can believe it or not, you are the void, and the void is you. Mm-hmm.